0: Hey, what's up? So, avalanche. Let's talk about it. What's, what's an avalanche? The snow comes down real fast, fierce, gains momentum. But I'm not talking about the natural of disaster, or if it's not really a disaster, I guess, if no one's around. But anyways, avalanche. What is it? You've heard about it. Now you're gonna hear some more. It's an open source platform for launching decentralized finance applications, right? DeFi. That's What you want. Developers who build on Avalanche can easily create powerful, reliable, secure applications and custom blockchain networks with complex rule sets or build an existing private or public subnet. Right. I think what you should do right now is stop what you're doing, even if it's listening to this podcast. Stop. Pull over. Go to the gas station if you need to. Go to a subway. There's a subway like everywhere. There's always a subway. All right. All right. There's always a Kroger. Just stop in a parking lot somewhere. All right. And go to uh, The dogs are adamant that you stop. Go to Avalab, avalabs.org to learn more. All right. Stop. Go to avalabs. That's dot A-V-A labs, org.
1: Now entering the Bitcoin Podcast Network. It's a Bitcoin pod
0: hey what's up everybody no fuck that i don't do that anymore i said i'm not doing that bullshit anymore that like lame podcast intro hey everybody no yo it's the bitcoin podcast episode 316 i'm the host of talks first d i am the other host dr corey petty and we're here uh after a three-week hiatus um what were we doing just bullshitting or was it like a much-needed break i'd say
1: uh we're doing interviews but <laughs> no, i've been least doing enough. a bunch of other stuff you've been traveling d is in my living room or in my basement in my study that's right we are together
0: and standing shoulder to shoulder not metaphorically well
1: it's pretty we're
0: physically, pretty there. yeah physically shoulder to shoulder talking on the same microphone uh i wanted to come up and visit Corey and aaron because they have a little little baby <laughs> Well, baby, named D, and that's my name, D, so it actually worked out pretty well. Anywho, it's been a long time since we hit you with some TBP thunder, so we have an episode today. We're talking about taxes, right? What's crazy to me is that when we first got in this space, everyone thought it was like, I don't know, taxes was like such an afterthought, but now that we're at the point where taxes have to be a forethought, kind of shows the growth. Of everything for example my pops he hit me up and he was like hey I was doing my taxes this year and I got asked a bunch of questions about crypto like Bitcoin and do I trade it do I train like kind crypto and I I didn't have the answers so I didn't know what to do and I'm like in my opinion I think that shows just the progression of the whole space since we started this shit like regular Joes I mean it certainly shows
1: like a outward perception of legitimacy of like how people feel this is a thing and it's gotten big enough to where like government authorities have to start asking questions because enough people are using it to justify them wanting to collect taxes on it Mm -hmm. and enough businesses are asking questions in terms of like how do I properly file if I want to take this as a form of income because I would like to um and, like, there's not a lot of answers across the board, like mm-hmm. hard answers, but it, it it definitely speaks to, like I said, the, the legitimacy of how people feel about this technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you, like, think back to the earlier days, a good portion of it was, like, an effort to completely get around mm-hmm. all of this stuff and make it a global currency that doesn't work. But that, that's ridiculous. Like, mm-hmm. it, realistically speaking you're never going to be able to run a business without paying taxes to the justification that business exists in. Now, like it may get odd in answering the question as to where your business exists, if it exists on the internet, so what jurisdiction
0: it's, it's reliant upon. That's a whole different story. Yeah. I think as a business, um, Well, one thing i found out recently from uh from an accountant not a tax account just an accountant if you're a business and you want to buy and hold crypto that is just a balance sheet transaction so what that means is yeah you got to pay tax on that shit. you're basically moving something that's highly liquid into something that's slightly less liquid on your balance sheet and that's it so you can buy and hold crypto as a business and you're just taxed as if it's property yeah. and you pay capital gains tax, long term or short term, depending on how long you held it. I think long term is just one qualification. Anything long, anything you hold longer than a year, I think qualifies for that long term capital gains tax. So, I think yeah. it's still difficult though. Like even if you were a
1: business trying to do this stuff, like I, this is something that I had an issue with and some a project that I wanted to work on, but mm-hmm. due to lack of time, it never got done. It was like small business services, like the TurboTax for. Understanding how you deal with even invoicing, accepting, pricing, timing of all these things mm-hmm. and like how, how the value fluctuates in between all of these different points. And so like, if you think about, this has been something that bothers me when people say like Bitcoin or F or whatever is money. It's not. Well, it, it depends on how you like define money. But like, when you, if, if the, price of what you're billing in mm-hmm. changes drastically from when you invoice to when you receive to when you can like res- to when you spend it to etc like that's not businesses aren't going to do that
0: they're not it's you gotta not have several conversations throughout the whole process of like estimate to invoice to collecting you gotta have three different separate conversations they're like hey i know when we estimated this bad boy this was how much bitcoin you're going to give me but it seems like the price has gone down, so you're going to have to give me a little bit more Bitcoin. Guess what that like, client's not going to do. Yeah, the they're going to say, like, that. fuck that. This quote, we signed it. It's a, it's a go. This is a go. So as a business, though, no, it's not feasible to accept cryptocurrency um, except for, I would say, oh, very short-term projects or products, right? If you have it factored in, that the spot price is going to change so much, right? So if I sell this bag of chips, I'm not I don't I'm not concerned with the float. Right?
1: Well, then that that, that then begs the question like like this is different across the board for people who are doing this type of stuff, but like yeah. if a business if I'm going to accept just, we'll just we'll stick with the like the more volatile assets like Bitcoin, Ethereum, and so on and so forth. If I want to accept All these things, mm-hmm. like anything outside of a stable coin. Yeah. Um am I going to keep it? or am I going to immediately sell it? If it's the latter and I'm, I'm immediately going to sell it into whatever fiat or stable coin that I care about, is that good for the ecosystem? I would mm-hmm. say potentially yes, because it's increasing the velocity of the coins, as well as um, widening the, peop- the amount of people that you, ha- that you give access to your services to, depending on what they want to use yeah. to spend. But like, it's not like you know this, original idea that we came out with like we talked about I guess early in the years of this podcast was you know that whole that whole neo meme of like oh, you no know, yeah you know it's like you know you're telling me one day when I'm good enough I'll be able to stop bullets.
0: It's like uh, no 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 neo. neo I'm telling you you won't have to
1: like that uh, whole like you know we're just gonna use Bitcoin
0: like that's probably not gonna happen. That's not real. that's that's not real. Find out a lot about the realness of that. Um, I think there's going to be a derivation of it, like example, I feel like in the current system, the powers to be have so much money invested in things that the actual dollars that we use is just some magic derived value from a complex series of factors from that like it doesn't make any sense to me how they can just say like you know what we're going to do right now print a trillion dollars like how how what like how does that work you know we're going to do over the span of three months print seven trillion dollars because math well like
1: for us can do it and not suffer massive hyperinflation like the, like, the, with like the associated consequences mm-hmm. of massive hyperinflation where the price of each, each individual dollar goes down, yeah. like the, the buying power of it goes down because there's such a high demand of the U.S. dollar globally. So like what it seems to me, and I'm no expert here, but like we can print whatever we want because there's enough people who want it. And so we, can, we basically print it to solve our problems and then everyone still wants it so the demand stays the same well, we control the supply. That's so fucked up. And that's, but... and that's what kind of the race <laughs> to the bottom in a lot of countries is they'll just, fine, we'll just keep printing it and making artificial money. Like, you can't, there was a book that someone was telling me about. Oh, Joe, my buddy Joe. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like modern modern economics or modern mon- monetary theory. You can't think about how governments use sovereign fiat money mm-hmm. the way you think about a household manages their income and their, their, their finances. There's no debt. If they control the money supply,
0: mm-hmm.
1: there's no, there's there, you don't owe anybody anything if you make the money supply. Mm-hmm. And so the way you think about a balance sheet, like if I take a loan, I owe that to somebody, but I, cause I'm not making the money supply.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: there's a lot to this. And this is like a mod, I think modern, monetary theory which I think would be interesting to get into but that's not what this show's is about
0: too. yeah we're not experts to talk about that kind of shit but it does make sense though because if you don't owe anybody anything then you are basically just holding assets all the time and you can't like how is Bitcoin <laughs> can you, be
1: really going to argue about this
0: yeah. because
1: like that's kind of the basis on where Bitcoin gets value
0: yeah.
1: we just print it we just print it in a very 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 dependable way that's not yeah. that's not like reliant upon individuals to make up the, the amounts mm-hmm. but we're printing it I think and the value all... comes from like whoever wants to buy it based on what they think the utility is.
0: I think it shifts the politics. That's all I think it does after all this time. Like right now, the politics are focused on well, conventional politics. So those guys signing the papers that print the money that change the numbers, the interest rates, and that. With Bitcoin, since it's a dependable issuance, the politics have now shifted to okay, who in this ecosystem controls the price of things, the demand of things. In my mind, that obvious is the miners. Maybe I'm wrong. But the miners are the ones getting that brand new hot crispy Bitcoin. So if you're gonna go politicking about demand and supply, you're gonna go politicking to them.
1: No, they don't care, they're running a business. They're just running a margin. The only reason they continue to run that business is because they feel they can sell that hot newly minted Bitcoin on a market that cares. They don't care. More often than not, they have. And think about the, the interview that w- that will be released next, of uh, <laughs> course, scientific about infrastructure and power supply and yeah. the operations it takes to actually run. But a, they got to pay their bills. Yeah, that they can pay those bills because they feel they can they can sell that Bitcoin on a market. One they don't their, care about the fundamentals of the market. But one of their bills is profit.
0: So, aren't they the people? Who, talk like they're the ones that control the purest demand
1: they can pull they can have the purest supply that depends on what the available supply is across the board yeah now since the underlying mentality of crypto at least in Bitcoin is hold don't use yeah Um, they have a larger percentage of the available circulating supply Probably, I don't. I don't know the numbers because I haven't looked into them. This is just my me guessing, but Maybe like, guessing. if if there's enough available supply at any given price, then the amount of and, and this and this is going to continue over time. The amount of influence that the incoming supply from miners has is diminishing, especially as, as you continue in time, and that that number drops in half if they're happening. like. That newly minted Bitcoin doesn't make as much of an impact because of all of the circulating supply in the open it's market. It's already out
0: there. Interesting. Maybe I should have studied econ. And I know what the fuck I'm talking about. But I do know one thing. I'm going to see if I can get Wesley Snipes accountant to do my taxes. So you don't pay nothing to go to jail? <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so, I can, so I can take the Wesley Snipes route. Um, well, we started with taxes. Now, it's important that you guys know uh, this company that we're about to release this interview, you're about to listen to some juicy shit. Like, what, like there's so much maturity happening with the legitimacy in the space. Like, when you listen to these gentlemen speak, they're not like, uh, they're not a crypto bro, right? They're not chilling somewhere like, yeah, I just factored my taxes out with this Google spreadsheet. Nah, 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 nah. These gentlemen are like tenured professionals. High, prof- like high quality well learned professionals that are that interested in this space and see opportunity in this space and that's something that you know crypto honestly needs it can't always be crypto bros just hanging out talking shit that doesn't really relate to the public
1: in my opinion it's it's companies like this that are providing professional services to to like industry that wants to figure out how to handle themselves in this ecosystem. That's going to push a lot of it forward because without businesses running real money through the system, like hobbyists aren't going to make a global currency.
0: Nope. They're not. So anyways, here it is. And hello, we're about to start a Bitcoin podcast interview. Um, Yeah, you guys know how these interviews go. They're chill. They're relaxed. We ask the hardest-hitting questions on the planet, don't we, Corey? I uh, sometimes do, <laughs> depending sometimes. on who we have on the show. Sometimes.
1: I'm expecting some interesting questions on this one.
0: Hell yeah. So um, today we're joined by uh, Robert Matarasi, the CEO, and Roger Brown, the head of tax and regulatory affairs uh, for LUCA. And if, you're, if you've been living under a rock... Which is probably, you know, some of you, not all of you, but some of you. Luca is a financial firm addressing the global issue of regulatory compliance uh, for their crypto customers. Um, so, tax compliance, that's the biggie. Um, yeah. So, how screwed am I, Robert and Roger, on my taxes on the plane? So, first of all, let me give you guys a chance to introduce yourselves. So, Robert, go for it, and then we'll go, we'll swing to you, Robert, Roger.
2: Yeah, hi. So I'm uh, Robert Materazzi, co-CEO uh, at, at LUCA. Um, I've been with LUCA for just about two years, going on two years soon. I um, was at Coopers for five years working in traditional financial services, uh, a lot of banking technology type projects. And uh, and prior to that, was in the Marine Corps for nine years as a pilot. Thanks for having me.
1: Pilot to taxes. Nice. <laughs>
2: I know someone that went the exact
1: opposite direction by the chance.
2: (laughs) All all just problem solving. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Roger? Uh, My name is Roger Brown. I'm an international tax and financial products lawyer uh, by training. I've been at this about 27 years, um, about 10 of those at the IRS, and the rest spread across large accounting and law firms uh, where I was a partner um, for a number of years. Um, Got in early on into uh, financial products. and different kinds of derivatives. And as crypto came on the scene, um, just that that wave just carried me into it. So here I am.
1: Mm. All right. So I got. I want to start this off with um, those that listen to the show and I guess enthusiasts of the crypto space tend to, we'd like to toot our own horn and we think that we're innovating drastically. Uh, We've generalized the concept of finance. Um, the concept of money doesn't change very much. And we think that this is a big, a big drastic change in the concept of money and and how we use it and so on and so forth. Uh, How right are we in the, in through the lens of um, traditional finance and kind of tax revenue?
2: Yeah, Roger, you want to, you want to start?
3: How right are we? Could you, could you restate that question? There's, there's different ways to go about it. And I think where I would go would be perhaps how you may say that a little differently. So apologies for that.
1: Yeah, no problem. First off, I guess we want to make sure that our audience understands this isn't legal advice or any financial advice whatsoever. Uh, We're just having a conversation (laughs) from perspectives of people who have very interesting experience. So keep that in mind. But like, (laughs) like, I I personally feel like uh, the advent of crypto and programmable money has drastically changed the like paradigm of money. But like, from a tax perspective how much did it change things? Is it like, is it really turning people on their heads? Are they trying to figure out how to apply traditional regulation and code to something that doesn't quite fit that mold or does it fit quite well and we're just kind of tuning our own horn?
2: Okay, yeah, no, I, I will hear it. Yeah, now that you reframe it that way, I mean, I think that, you know, there there are data challenges and some unique circumstances that we have to consider when we're applying what we would usually um do when when thinking about taxes when we're applying it to crypto. So I, I think that, you know, just at a, at a very high level, that that's a fair, a fair statement, but I don't think that it's wild or I think it's, it's, it's pretty normal. And at the end of the day, when you break down the logic, most of the rules make a lot of sense, um, you know, Roger's Yes. Yeah,
3: so I, I appreciate the restatement. So, so my approach is the following, having worked and played in tax code a long time. Um, The tax code has very general rules in certain areas um, around, for example, when a taxable event happens or um, what is income. In other instances, they have very specific rules of if you do this thing with this type of asset, then these are the consequences and they define the type of assets. In situations where you have a specific rule dealing with a certain type of assets or certain type of entities, they don't account for crypto because there is no tax provision in the tax code or no provision regulation that deals with virtual currency. The IRS has issued a couple notices, but because the source of all tax law are the code and the regs, there is nothing. So you have to go to these general principles. And they often miss because those rules are written from the perspective, typically of debt, stock and commodities. And because crypto is not traditionally any of those, question a, bit, a little bit on commodities um, for a reason we can get into later. Um, You're good have to say, how does crypto fit in one of these general rules? And oftentimes the specific rules around stock, debt, et cetera, miss.
0: Mm. It, so like what are the ramifications for like the average joe you you say you treat it like a, a stock a commodity i forget the last one um but what if you treat it like one of those things and you end up being wrong you know and the government said yeah you tried to treat it like a stock but psych gotcha it's not a stock it's a commodity like what if, what if, where's the guidance like what was someone supposed to do or do they just cover all bases and just don't ever use it and just be prepared to pay three tax, like three different tax options? I don't, I don't know.
2: You know, I think that the at at the end of the day, particularly this year, right, or where we are today in the world with crypto and paying taxes in the United States, um, I think that it's pretty simple. If you have capital gains and you made money on your crypto investment. Then you should pay capital gains tax. You should, you should claim that on your, on your tax return. I think some of the other debates on the categorization of the asset that get more complex with, you know, the commodities versus securities and all these other factors, I think are, are probably something that will be more relevant in future years once there's more guidance that's firms. But I think if users are, are trying to pay their taxes on their capital gains, they're, they're probably safe and doing the right thing.
3: Yeah. So I would think think about it from perspective of what you're doing, what are you doing? Um if you um lend crypto um it for getting a return, um there's issues around do I have to recognize gain when I recognize when I loan crypto? And there's a statute dealing with stocks and securities is silent on crypto, and the IRS and Congress has been asked to opine on that, and they've been silent. So to Robert's point, if I take a reasonable position and the tax law allows you to take a reasonable position um, without fear of penalties, um, as long as you've got some basis to do that, um, then indeed you can find comfort. There were some who believed that I could exchange one crypto asset for another crypto asset and rely on the rules that allowed one to do that called like-kind exchanges and not recognize taxable income. Um that you can't do that now because of the 2017 Tax Act. But um if you could do that before and the government disagreed with you, maybe even they've even waffled on that a bit, um you may end up being wrong. They could end up assessing you for back taxes. Um, but again, as long as you have reasonable positions, um with some level of well-reasoned argument may not be the best, uh, you could be protected from penalties.
1: Uh, I can take this in a few directions. Um, I'm going to start off with, with, with one that I think, um, running a company that offers services, you'd, you'd have quite a heavy opinion on. And that is, um, if I were to think about all the things that I've done in crypto, since we've, since we've been in it, I cannot remember the vast majority of it, even more so, um, because, we've experimented with this technology and run most products like through the through the lens of kind of experimenting with the people we're interviewing or just understanding the, the the businesses that come online and uh really really pushing the boundaries of kind of pseudonymity versus anonymity versus automation and so on and so forth keeping track of this stuff has been terribly difficult and that's exacerbated by the fact that tooling associated with keeping track of these things especially in the lens of regulatory framework of my My jurisdiction is nigh non-existent, especially in the early days. How do I make these arguments?
2: Yeah, you're hitting on on a really good point. So it's I mean what you're what you're describing is what we what we do all day. So I mean it it comes down to the data. So, you know, Luca now might be skipping ahead to a future a future item that you want to ask here, but I mean Luca at a whole, we're not a tax company, we're not a tax practitioner company, we're not providing tax services. We're a data company at heart. Um, one of the many things that we can accommodate is tax because, um, because we know how to clean up the data and, and apply the right calculations to it. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, we support more customers with corporate financial statements, for example, than we do with, with, with tax forms. Um, and the underlying challenges are in organizing and cleaning and categorizing all your data. And so when doing that, for example, even our retail product, Luka Tax, is um, when a user loads all their data, most often over several years, and they get to the point where they have to say, oh yeah, is this deposit, was it from a third party, so I should be treating it as an acquisition, or was it from one of my own wallets, and maybe I don't remember, you know, we do some error checking that'll help the user identify where some of these problems may be, and then we give them a couple different courses of action. One of which is, hey, you can take the conservative route. You're probably going to be overpaying your taxes, but at least you're you're likely protected in the events of an of an IRS audit because you overpaid. And you're disclaiming that, hey, I received these deposits a long time ago. I don't remember if they're from a third party or not, or I can't find these acquisitions, or I don't have access to this exchange file. But I do have you know enough data in here to to ideally pay you know, the conservative tax calculation. Now, you might save some money if you can track down all your different circumstances and lower your taxes, um, but you do have several options. It's kind of how we approach it. So we try to give the user some flexibility based on those types of circumstances.
0: Mm. Um, I got a question. So if, you, if you're if you a business and you want to start taking crypto, um, all different types, because you're into this stuff, What is the compliance burden look like uh, both like, fiscally like financially and like do you have to have someone in how like what is that compliance burden because you know maybe I'd like to start taking crypto like what how do I have to account for it how do I, how do I track it? Is, it is it burdensome let me walk walk me down that yellow brick road I mean, I'll I'll mention
2: the business aspect first and then Maisie Roger um you hone in on the tax compliance aspect here but the at the end of the day, the number one advice that I know I give customers, and this could be a business, it could be an individual, it could be a crypto fund, right? Well, it applies to all of these, is if you're thinking about getting into crypto now, um, don't just think about the revenue and your profits and your, and your business. Think about your accounting and the tax from the beginning and stay organized and find a solution right when you launch it. Because what we dealt with, particularly over the last several years, is a lot of businesses that are finally starting to think about those things and we have to go back and help them for several historical years of cleaning up all this data for millions and millions, sometimes hundreds of millions of transactions in a single year. And, uh, and I'll just say that it takes them a lot of money to fix that.
1: Ironically, like, like from a data science perspective, it, if you're set up properly from the beginning, taking care of the stuff is much easier than traditional finance.
2: Much much
3: easier. I mean, night night and day. Yeah, and you know, going back to the question, also, you have to think about what business model um, you're you're adopting with regard to crypto. There are some governments that take crypto in payment of taxes. I think two or one in fl- government in Florida, and there's a government uh, entity in Ohio that do that. So, so there, however, when you're sending you're sending Bitcoin, for example. Um, the government or the retailer would not be getting Bitcoin. A third party is getting it and converting it immediately to fiat. Alternatively, there are some businesses that do take crypto directly. And there you're dealing with in effect, you've received an asset that's appreciating and depreciating once the minute you get it. And and how are you going to deal with that from a P&L perspective because it's got different economic exposure to the thing you just sold or the service you're provided. So you have to decide how you're taking that in, but you also get the benefit of a much more efficient way to do business because of the digital nature of the payment, and particularly in a COVID world where people don't want to touch money, people don't want to touch their credit cards, and some places don't take you know scan your phone or what have you. You know, it's an increasing, um, um, increasing trend that businesses are taking crypto. Um, that you can account for it in a way that um, like any asset that's not money um, and putting stable coins aside, um, crypto is not money. Um, you in effect are getting paid in a, a piece of property, like a stock certificate in effect um, for the thing you just sold. and how are you accounting for that? And there's separate accounting rules for in effect, barter exchanges, which this actually becomes when you're getting, you're getting property in exchange for property.
1: I'd argue that uh, a limiting factor to people doing this, uh, as much as we'd like them to, um, trying to like proselytize this technology, is small business, like like uh, small business services and software to get people on the right track, because they're not going to be able to keep track of the stuff. Like, there's no quicken loans for crypto. Maybe there is now, but uh, maybe I'll offer that. I'm not sure, but like. It, it, that's that's a severely limiting factor to people getting on this technology and using it, which could then drastically change the way they kind of uh, modernize their business. Like, yeah. you see that trend getting better, and do you agree with the fact that that's even like a, a limiting factor?
2: Absolutely. I mean, that's our that's our core business offering. Actually, is is uh, is helping your you know your middle and back office operations for businesses. I mean, that's our core customer segments and our, our strongest strength, um, you know, and candidly, our, our products, not even perfect yet. We're, we're probably the closest to it. Um, we've got several years of a lot of hard lessons that we've built on. And, you know, actually just last week released a new version using all that feedback. And it was complex to get to that day. A lot of effort, a lot of customers solving a lot of problems and a lot of like, a wow, how do, how do we even start to begin to solve this problem? you know, and contacting experts like Roger. That's why we ended up bringing Roger onto the team, for example. You know, first he was, we, we were hiring Roger um, externally. And and, uh, and so, you know, I think those conversations, and we'll continue to tease it out and more guidance will come out and, and more rules. And I'm sure hopefully everyone keeps innovating and creating new situations for us to to try to brainstorm as well. So. To
1: follow that up. yeah. And, i want sorry, go ahead, Corey. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. I just wanted to ask, like, uh, maybe you can... Um, answer this after you after you say what you want to say, but it's uh, like wh- where where's the difficulty you're finding across trying to do this type of work? Like where's the main point of friction in trying to offer these types of services as you as you try and adapt like traditional small business services and and, and end accounting to companies using this technology because it is different. and like you said, like the moment you get it, you then have to track p and l based on the f- way the, the price fluctuates and then take advantage things, and then treat that portion differently than the income that you got from the service. Right? Do so you want to? Yeah.
3: Yes. Yeah, so, uh, I, I thought seeing the increase of the use of derivatives um, in my in my lifetime, um, and the sort of ubiquity of hedging transactions and things like that, um, where whenever you have a financial innovation, new financial product, even technology, when we went to as, as a kid records and then Napster uh, and then um, cassettes and Now, you know, who owns a cassette, you know, everybody just streams their music So but that happened in waves didn't happen overnight. It took, you know, 10 15 years to do that so I I think as that natural progression happens and crypto is not going to be an exception to that because as new technologies develop and they're superior to the old ones there is an adoption there isn't a move there is a movement young you know younger people uh, tend not to carry cash it's much easier to venmo people like that um, so I think that's responsive to the question you just asked before that Robert do you want to pick up Corey's question do so you carry cash with you <laughs> to create cash no, I think that's illegal if you create C- cash. C- <laughs> C- C-
1: carry C-
0: cash
3: oh, do I carry cash uh, uh, not really actually no. yeah <laughs>
0: Yeah, I started. Go ahead. Go ahead.
2: Started, yeah, I carry it a little bit out of old habit, and I think I rarely use it. Um, but the, you know, to get to, get to your, your question, i on the. I mean, I'd say education is a huge part of of, of the challenge, right? Just to start, um, even just questions like, oh, is is the IRS really going to look at my crypto, or or then if they think they can, you know, hey, is are they really going to be able to, to have the capabilities? And, you know, I can tell you they, they, they do have the capabilities. Um, and and they've, they've definitely have have a lot of attention on, on this. Um, I think that then once you get past that and people are like, okay, I need to organize this and figure it out somehow. Now, where do I go? And there's so many different companies that are out there that are catering to some of these things. A lot of them, you know I kind of consider to be more portfolio management tools that are very retail focused and then are, are adding on things like, hey, we can we can make a tax report for you or whatnot. I'd say the biggest problems that I see and we have customers coming to us with these files from all these random you know solutions that are out there say, hey, can you help me make sense of this because like my calculations don't make sense um, is that the in the traditional financial services world, there's a lot of ways that we manage risk, and we, you know, we make sure that we're doing things accurately, and that the providers that we use, like the technology solutions, are trusted and whatnot. And these are things like AI CPA SOC controls. If you're not familiar with those, so there are things that that make sure that the technology controls that are in place are ensuring the accuracy of the, you know, the financial output. For example, is is one of the many things that it checks for. <clears throat> and when we go to crypto, we're dealing with a lot of new audiences that may be not familiar with that side of things. But I'd, I'll tell you what, over the last two years, we've seen huge trends. I mean, Coinbase has gotten SOC controls added to a lot of their, their businesses and their capabilities. Um, some of those things were the foundation for how we formed our business. But it was because from the very beginning, we were um, focused on servicing institutions and businesses. And when you're servicing them, they think about risk on a different level than your average consumer. And so you have to do things with a certain set of standards. And so I'd say that just the standards in the industry vary. And so my number one advice for businesses or individuals when picking out their software solutions is to look into that, look for those credentials, look to make sure that people are are, or businesses are actually creating things with the right set of technology standards just like we would normally. And then it actually is, is a lot easier. You actually eliminate a lot of the software that's out there when you do that. Um, mm. But if you don't and you ignore it and you just assume that because someone's selling you something that they're giving you the right answer, you're going to be, you know, you're going to be surprised mm. at that way.
0: Mm. It sounds like Corey, when you asked the first question, uh, are we doing anything new or tooting our own horn? It feels like we're tooting our own horn from this conversation. That's what, that's what it feels like. It feels. I didn't even know what sock controls were, but now that I do, I'm like, oh, yeah.
1: Anyway, uh, if you go back to like, the original idealist zeitgeist of people who uh, invented Bitcoin and the community around that, there's a lot of like, damn the man, screw the system, get around it. They don't, we don't need to adhere to these rule sets. In reality, that's not necessarily the situation because you're in a jurisdiction and death and taxes and so on and so forth. Uh, and like, if you want to have a legitimate business and do business with people, you need to like do your accounting and, and and pay your dues in whatever jurisdiction you're in. But the technology is going to continue to move forward. And that idealism is still at least partially a part of this whole, this whole ecosystem how do you interplay with that? Like, how do you, how do you react to people who are like, I don't want to pay my taxes. I shouldn't have to pay my taxes because that's a good portion of this community. And since it's such a global technology, people then kind of have a little more maybe freedom to start to choose this jurisdiction. That's, that's beneficial to them and get around some of the kind of uh, regulations and so on and so forth.
2: I mean, those aren't our customers, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's,
1: it's, it's, um, it, I mean,
2: we're, Luca's all focused on the the least sexy side of of crypto. We we joke internally about that. I mean, we're middle and back office, so we're doing risk management, we're doing accounting, taxes, audit. I mean, if you're thinking about any of those topics and you're you know someone who who doesn't believe in paying taxes or governments or any of those philosophies, then then you definitely don't believe in the audit or or, <laughs> uh, or accounting. So. You know, to us it's it's very clear it's black and white. I mean, we're sitting on the side, we're we're advocates of of uh of you know, the right flavor of rules that don't interfere with innovation, I'll say. But we do believe in paying taxes, we do believe in in uh, organizing your data and in audits and, and governance and, and all of those principles. So it's pretty yeah. easy for us. I mean, yeah. I,
3: I would take a step back to say if the point of crypto is a store of value, a medium of exchange, a peer-to-peer network to allow uh, to get away from government influences, who could argue with those? Because it's more efficient. But at the same time, you see this with, an effect, the, the governmental reaction to ICOs um, and the SEC coming down. You have the unwinding of a lot of the projects that w- had a specific purpose. So the fact is that there are rules in 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 society and taxes where you have appreciate you have income is one of them. And once you can say, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go pursue the ideals and the goals for investing, trading, et cetera, in crypto, and I'm just gonna deal with the natural consequences of of, of, if I have income, I have a tax. And if I have a loss, I'll take a deduction, just like the point of living is breathing. And when we're all done, we die. And, and if you just accept those, there is no asset um, that I'm aware of um, that you generally can make money on and not pay tax. There are some exceptions where you can sell your home, but there isn't even tax exempt bonds, muni bonds. You pay tax if you sell them. So once you accept the fact that the if you have income in the U.S., you'll be taxed. Unless a specific exception, and there is no specific exception for crypto, um, it's just one of the basic rules that exist. That exist, just like if you are rate, if you are um, selling securities that should be registered and you don't, there are adverse consequences around it. T- t- tax is just no different. In fact, it's more broad because it's more black and white and fewer exceptions around uh, than the regulatory side.
0: I got a question about taxes. And it's probably got nothing to do. (laughs) No, probably. It's nothing to do with crypto at all. Those stories that I read all the time about like your Bezos and your Zuckerbergs not paying any taxes. Is that all bullshit for headlines, or is that true? Like, can you if you give me the low down here? Can you give me the love? I see you are laughing, Robert, but you I'm actually. Quite a <laughs> I read these articles all the time, and I'm like, "How's that even
2: possible?" Yeah, I have insight thing. into into Bezos's taxes.
0: <laughs> I can say, <laughs> so, how can I do it too?" Because, I mean, I don't like taxes either. I mean, nobody likes them. But.
3: No. <laughs> They're, I mean, so um, t- taxes and people's income, and probably their income is more public than are taxes they pay. Um, no. it, it, and, um, uh, yeah, I'm not aware of anybody who, who's talking about, uh, Bezos's or, or Zuckerberg's taxes, point one, point two is the tax law has certain, um, uh, regimes in place to provide people to pay less tax. For example, long-term capital gains, um, have about half the tax rate that ordinary income has. Um, or if you can invest in, you know, with these things now called opportunity zones, you can basically have tax-free income, or I I mentioned nudie bonds earlier, you can invest in those asset classes and pay very little tax. So, you know, the, the, I, I think to your point is that the more sophisticated advice you can buy, the more legally you can reduce your taxes. And Mm -hmm. because the people you mentioned are very wealthy and can buy the best advice, they can structure their business to minimize their taxes in a legal way. And as someone who's spent a lot of their career in international tax and financial services, um, there are countries that allow for you to invest in certain places and give you tax holidays, give you single-digit tax rates, et cetera. And the tax law, U.S. tax law, didn't stop that. They allowed it. They're not loopholes. It's just the way the rules work that have certain preferences built in for certain types of activities that smart tax mm. professionals can structure.
1: So, following up on that and um, the previous answer to my question, uh, that environment of kind of how you can how you can structure your business to to minimize taxes and then affording um, the appropriate counsel to to guide you through that is mainly associated with a traditional business and finance. Um, and there's a tremendous amount of muddy water, which we talked about earlier in terms of how, at least within the US, uh, you, you can treat taxing different use cases of crypto depending on how you get it, how you use it, et cetera, when, when you cash it in, et cetera. Is there any reason to believe from y'all side that that muddy water will start to get more clear in the near future, or is it something that we're just going to have to see for a long period of time? Because in my in my perspective, they're they're so far underwater uh, from the, the the federal education understanding that it's going to take a tremendous amount of time for them to get caught up, and it's the pace of innovation or change is happening so fast that they may never do so, which means that hard guidelines and regulations on how businesses can use this stuff, structure themselves appropriately, and so on and so forth, doesn't exist. Is that is that a reasonable assumption, or do you, do you feel there's a, a, a brighter light?
3: Go- government, government moves much more slowly than private sector, point one. You saw that with the financial innovation and financial instruments um, in the 90s and 2000s, et cetera and they still have, you know, many sophisticated products including credit derivatives that there are no rules for. So your, your core premise is right. Number two, the government is taking on piecemeal certain areas. Um, there's, you know, a general statement of the law that's a bit overbroad, um, a few misstatements from 2014. They did it again five years later in 2019. Um, Lots of people criticize some of the statements. They may overbroad in regard to airdrops and forks and things like that. People disagreed. We actually have some articles um, we put on our, uh, we have a thought leadership website where we hired a few dozen um, uh, tax tax practitioners and accounting practitioners where we um, host and have their thought leadership um, where they also agree and say some of the concepts are overbroad. Um, The government will be playing catch up but that doesn't mean there are no rules. You just have to apply the rules that do exist. And yes, where there's ambiguity, there's flexibility. And Robert talked about earlier that we designed our products so people can take informed positions because some people, for example, don't agree with the government's position on airdrops. And the way they wrote that um, document addressing airdrops actually is not law. It actually is their view And It happens regularly the case where if a court hears the government's view and they disagree with it and agree to taxpayer the taxpayer wins the courts tax cases are full of instances where taxpayers wins or the government wins and You as a taxpayer have the ability and the regulations require on this even if you don't think that the um, That the government's position is correct or they say something if they don't say it in a way that is a regulation or have that type of weight, then you can literally take your, you can really just file your return and say, um, I disagree and pay your taxes on the basis of your own filing position. And that's just literally the way the, the tax law has existed for years. And how crypto applies to that is there's no exception, no different. You have the flexibility and those rights as a taxpayer.
1: I'm going to have hmm. to rethink some things based on that answer. <laughs> well, like what scares me what scares me also um based on based on you kind of validating my my opinion is uh typically regulation or like their answer is going to be addressing the loudest talkers in the room which are in my experience the assholes in the community uh they're going to address the scams, the problems, the, the situations, and based on um, trying to, I guess, triage the larger issues that are taking advantage of most people in the community because that's happening. Um, they may end up making judgment or ruling or regulations that cripples or hurts the rest of us who are trying to be good citizens of our jurisdictions.
3: Having worked, having worked at the IRS earlier in my career. I'm a believer that the vast majority of IRS agents um, and people who write the laws just want to get it right, point one. Um, Point two, there's no, and having spoken with and Luca participated in the IRS virtual currency summit where they invited major exchanges, they invited major accounting firms and major software firms like ours, where they wanted to learn. So they are literally opening their doors to say, help me be smarter and write good rules. And they brought in senior tax talent that I'm familiar with in the Treasury Department to just write rules to get it right. So, so they are literally um, aligning themselves to do the right thing. I think the people are mature enough um, to ignore um, the, the loudest talkers, um, the self-promoters in the room, and they're trying to handle things first. The most recent reg package that we'll see, the government has publicly said, is a regulation package on um, Form 1099. Um, that means that exchanges will be pushing out information reporting um, uh, forms um, that you see in traditional financial services. They'll be pla- they'll they'll likely be requiring that um, by exchanges. That means that the government will get more information about who's re- who's trading, who's reporting crypto, et cetera. So going back earlier to the point, there'll be less of an ability to remain anonymous and other countries who subscribe to something called common reporting standards will also be issuing guidance and be reported on around their crypto trading activities. So governments will get far more information around crypto um, than exists historically. And the question is, do you wanna go along with that wave? Or do you want to swim against it and it's much easier to swim downstream rather than upstream
0: yeah to me it seems like there's no way kind of around it the anonymous or pseudonymous nature of crypto um because like you said earlier irs has the tools and as exchanges Grow in their popularity, not only people's ease of use, but also just the fact that most people that are new to crypto are entering crypto through an exchange, through Coinbase, through Gemini, uh, through Bitstamp, through these large exchanges. And, um, you know, uh, to me, if Coinbase has the ability to like stall or block a transaction from happening, then it also are definitely doing some pretty heavy back end accounting to assure that at least they're crossing all their T's and dotting all their I's in case their consumers do something stupid or
1: tricky I, I can so. I can attest to the severe amount of accounting and back end services that are running on Coinbase. Uh they you, they, yeah. they do their due diligence and they do a damn good job of it. So they don't make yeah they're not they're not playing any games. <laughs> yeah.
2: Go ahead.
0: No,
2: as well yeah i mean we can i mean we're um we're uh yeah i mean very familiar also with with most of the big u.s exchanges honestly and all their back office operations and and i'll I'll tell you that i can't think of a single one that isn't very focused on it and making sure that they're doing it that they're complying with regulation and doing all that right now in the united states um that is so that's that's been a big a big change i mean you know I mean, we helped Shapeshift get through their first financial audit. For example, it's a big milestone for the industry.
3: I think ultimately, people will need to say, "What do we? What do we think the end goal for crypto is? If do we want crypto to be a mainstream asset, or do we want it to be this special thing that is unique in the ecosystem that doesn't get taxed, doesn't have regulatory reporting, um, money transfer, money transmitter reporting rules are not applicable, because if it's latter." there's really no asset like that. If it's the former, we want to be a mainstream asset, like a stock, a bond, a commodity, gold, silver, what have you, then we have to live with the rules that apply to those traditional financial assets. And, and for those, there's 1099 reporting, there's reporting of taxable income. You know, people do the economic activities that they want to do with the relevant stock they're investing in, the relevant commodity investing in, et cetera. And if we want that same benefit because we believe in the use of crypto, the value of crypto, et cetera, um, then we have to accept those aspects of being a mature asset.
1: I would agree with that. Um, I would also somewhat argue that uh, if we are, in fact, innovating on money, then those regulatory rules, taxing, et cetera, frameworks that we have to abide by need to change as well. And you mentioned uh, the governing bodies who make these things are asking for help. They're opening their doors. How do we do that? How do we help them make good decisions, make good rules so that they're not you know, uh, screwing it for everybody because of the lack of education or availability for information? Like, where, do, where how, how do the people who know the right answers get to the people who need the right answers to make the right rules?
3: I I can issue Robert. Go ahead. ahead.
2: Yeah. I mean, I was going to say that, uh, you know what? I think that it's a a little bit of a misconception that they're not trying to do that already. Um, All the conversations that we've had, and we've had a lot of them, and we've been on panels at the IRS, um, at other government agencies in the United States, and we've spoken, you know, um, I think that they may move slow. They may not understand all the issues, um, but I do believe they're trying to solve them. And I do think they're open to, to doing things a new way. And I think absolutely, we just need to continue to help them. And the people that are most familiar with the issues and the problems and the innovators need to try to be a part of that. And then uh, and then that's probably the fastest path forward, you know, at the end of the day, so. Yeah,
3: the, the government writes rules slowly because they don't want to make a mistake. And Robert's right, the, their doors are always open. Um, I've never met a regulator um, who had a closed door where you're teaching them, um, from a, a perspective you know they're they're not going to necessarily agree with you and you know there won't be a meeting where you walk out and they say high five you and say thank you i'm, I'm going I'm, to you know give me a draft of what the law I should write and i'll be happy to have it in in the in the register to, in tomorrow that's not going to happen because Damn. the government is that's worried exactly the <laughs> government is worried about making a mistake because if they then put out a law and they leave a graping hole and people drive a truck through it they, they look like fools and so therefore they take their time to write balanced measures and usually the rules come in proposed form if it's a regulation and then they come out with the final rule and they are open to that and in the interim you've got to deal with the fact that you know the market um, activity happens it occurs it advances and just because there's nowhere does the word virtual asset appear in a in, in a tax code or the regulations how do you and, and there's many different kinds of cryptocurrencies and digital assets. How do you take the the asset that you're particularly dealing with and apply the rules that do exist in the code now? Because without exaggeration, there's thousands of tax <laughs> there's thousands of pages of tax rules and regulations, and and chances are that there's a rule that addresses your digital asset, and and people uh, unfortunately wait to say looking, waiting for a rule to say, oh, this applies to crypto, that's not the way it works. You have to still think about what the asset is like and then determine whether you're in a particular rule or out of a particular rule, because sometimes it can be to your detriment, sometimes it can be to your benefit. And I know a number of instances where literally both both of those occurs um, um, for a digital asset.
0: Mm. Well... I think we can wrap it on that note, we have a trademark question we like to ask, and that is, in 10 words or less, can you describe Bitcoin? I'll let you go first, Robert.
2: The the first cryptocurrency that is the most widely used today.
3: A a very efficient store of value, medium of exchange, that's the most popular. But well, I, do, I, do, I do, I do, I do, I th- do, I do think, though, it may go the way of gold bullion. <laughs> oh yeah, in time. What do you mean? What do you mean by that? I mean that other technologies will become more. Um, uh, it, it is other technologies uh, may find that it is not the most efficient store of value, medium of exchange, et cetera.
1: Mm, hot Man, take I coming from Roger. You're you're your, your on my side here. I mean, D go back and forth just quite a bit. <laughs>
0: yeah, I go back and forth. I mean, I think I think one of the, what I said, what I said two weeks ago, Corey, I think the, the biggest um, oversight on the crypto community is they did not factor, of all the things that are factored into these great technologies they build, they never really quite factor in the human factor of how we can take something really awesome mm-hmm. and make it really crappy really fast and so they never factor those things in so um yeah we'll see
2: i mean I, I was involved in crypto prior to Luca, and i
0: did not join
2: for cryptocurrency or bitcoin i can tell you that that was not 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 the angle i joined definitely for uh you know the the, the potential for assets that are that are not liquid and not accessible today to become so over time i think that's um, to change the whole world
3: yeah. I, I think there's a there's an aspect of basically banking. banking robert and i both have banking backgrounds um at serving some of the largest banks um and i i think because of the efficiencies that can exist in that system um about greater access to liquidity etc um in the financial innovation aspects of of that i think that's what attracted Robert said him to Luca, and also in working with Luca, attracted me to come to Luca thereafter.
1: I
0: damn,
3: heavily
1: agree with that sentiment, and that's what excites me about
3: all this.
0: So oh, opened yeah. up another interview with those last two questions.
1: <laughs> Maybe we'll bring you back on and talk about that uh, very soon.
0: I like that, like liquid making uh, assets and otherwise that would not be liquid. Liquid. Um, that's actually interesting as hell, but we are running low on time. Thank you, Robert. Thank you, Roger, for joining us this evening um, and representing Luca really well. I mean, you know, it's it's I, it's hard to, uh, um, like you said earlier, like the people that are trying to not pay their taxes are just not your client. And the people that are not trying to be compliant are not your client. And Corey, also to your point, like, yeah, things started out the zeitgeist you called it from a very like ah screw the system we're gonna do it on our own. But if you ever want mass adoption, this is to all the listeners. If you ever want mass adoption, you you kind of have to account for that greater majority of people that don't want to screw the system because I don't know they have a family and they have things they care about and that system supports those things. <laughs> so uh, just think twice about your old. Screw the man sentiment. So that's all I got, Corey.
1: Hey guys, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, I appreciate it, and uh, I look forward to talking talking forward. And uh, is there anything else you'd like to pitch in terms of Luca that we didn't quite get into?
2: I'd say, I mean, we're happy happy to join and talk about anything you guys would like us to. Um, at the end of the day, you know, I think the biggest takeaway is we're we're not a tax company; we're a data company. And uh, and we, we plan to be solving data challenges, you know as as this whole thing evolves over time. And we'll see we'll see where the market takes us.